Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Come to the water of life You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty come to Him Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Come to the water of life You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty come to Him He can refresh you in the desert Where your sin left you lost on the brink He is the fountain of living water Come to Him Dear sinner and drink, will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water? Nothing but sin and death He is the fountain of living water Come to Jesus and live Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I've always wanted to walk the path of love, not hate. There's a story in the Old Testament that just astonishes me. I want to share that with you. We know the story well. Uh, It's about Hannah, but it's not really just about Hannah. It's about her husband, Elkanah. Samuel, 1 Samuel, 1st chapter. Elkanah had two wives, one called Hannah and the other Paneah. Paneah had children. Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Well, the amazing thing is that he was so consistent. Here's a man. He's consistent. He leads his family gently with kindness. But he's not rigid. 
I want you to see this. Elkanah went up to sacrifice, and he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peneah, to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. It says, because he loved her. He recognized that in that culture, if you did not have a child as a woman, you were scorned. They needed children. But it says the Lord had closed, had closed him. Pardon me, had closed Hannah's womb. But Elkanah faithfully treated her with dignity, with love. Penea scorned her, tortured her with words of bitterness and criticism and anger. He would say to Hannah, Why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Wow. This man loved her. Once, when they'd finished eating, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord there at the entrance to the tabernacle. She made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant, look upon my misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Could she make that kind of decision without her husband's agreement? Yes. She was not a slave. She was a highly respected woman. Now, Eli, who was an evil man and did not walk the path of love, said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answers, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And suddenly she was assured in the spirit that the gift of love would be granted to her. May your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose, they worshipped before the Lord, and then they went back to their home. Elkanah lay with Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah went up with his family to offer the animal sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. And Elkanah is not objecting. They've evidently talked about this. She is committed to giving her son to the Lord as an offering to live there forever, to be a Nazarite, 
Well, she kept her word, and she stayed at home and nursed her son. So she'd weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, as young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an expensive piece of property, I might add. They brought him to Eli. And she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here before you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. Now we have this in chapter two, this incredible prayer. Hannah's prayer. Elkanah is not mentioned again until verse 11. Then Elkanah went home, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. What an amazing man this this man Elkanah was, who would give up his eldest son at his wife's request, who would not object, who would not demand that, that he be the boss, that he be the one who controls what happens with his son. No, he granted her incredible privilege and the Lord responded by giving her sons and daughters it is the road of love it is the path of love where husbands don't dominate their wives this is Old Testament too but love them respect them open for her the possibility of deciding what she will do with their eldest son. This is such a love story and an amazing story. God wanted a prophet. He wanted a man who would worship and honor and obey him. And that's what this little boy was growing up to honor the God of heaven. Not to go as as Eli and the sons of Eli went, to worship God. I read in Romans, the 10th chapter, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you'll walk this road of love, this pathway of love. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For if with your heart you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's the pathway of love. There's no shame on the pathway of love. You are surrounded by the presence of Almighty Jesus with great compassion and mercy and grace. Scripture says, verse 11, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The New Testament 
as a pathway of love. You know, I, I'm not quite sure how to talk about this. It was an idyllic location right on the ocean. It was warm in temperature. Sometimes it would get up to 90, but usually not. Most of the time it was just perfect. It was beautiful. Hotels, gracious old hotels. A boating center, used to be a whaling center. But now it's it's a vacation spot. And in that place, there are restaurants, outdoor seating, little shops to go explore. It's idyllic. The problem with it is that the alcohol is freely flowing. And with the alcohol freely flowing, there is a deadening of the conscience. So people are there freely spending, freely eating and drinking and partying, loud and boisterous, or quiet and intimate. You could take the boat out into the harbor, go whaling, looking for porpoise. Problem is, after the boisterous eating and drinking, there was the fornication. There was the There were the orgies. It was a place where every passion of man could be satisfied. It was the pathway into destruction. When the destruction came, it came very quickly. 80 mile an hour wind, whipping the flames. So finally, this whole city has been burned down. Six billion dollars of insurance money. What was an idyllic center for sin, for drunkenness, for orgies, has become now a place of death and destruction. We've seen this many times in history. Pompeii was no exception. We saw it in the great reset flood that God sent and saved in an ark just a handful of people. If you're willing to open your mind and look You will see fires and earthquakes. You will see utter devastation brought on these centers of utter wickedness. You are going to see that happen to Las Vegas, L.A., San Francisco. You're going to see it In New York City, you're going to see it in New Orleans. You're going to see the destruction and the fire and Fort Lauderdale, that whole section of Florida, it will go up in flames. Oh, I'm not a prophet. I just know what the Lord has said. 
he opened for us a pathway of love. And America and the world has chosen not to take the pathway of love, but to take the pathway of of sin. It terrifies me to to think logically about God's response to sin. It always has resulted in vast swaths of destruction with fire and earthquake. Sin is so serious. But because of God's mercy, his hand has spared us many, many times. But listen, now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result? is eternal life. Listen, Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, Christ Jesus our Lord. God pays back. We don't like to believe it. We don't like to think it, but it comes. And if we open our eyes and our ears, we see it comes quickly upon us. And many don't escape. How do we even begin to talk about it? How do we even begin to look at it and not be terrified? Now, we don't like to put together death and sin. But sin brings death. That's why we're in the situation we're in on this earth. I'm already 68 years old or 78 years old. I'm facing the death of the human of the human body as we see everyone faces death. But why? Because of Adam's sin. Because of sin. What is sin? The Bible defines sin as rebellion against God. In other words, it's choosing to go the way of darkness it's choosing against the God of heaven who owns the earth did you know he owns you how do I know well he's the creator God you would not be alive if God had not created human beings God created the earth Now, the devil has taken ownership of the earth from the rightful owner. It was given to to Adam. Adam gave the title deed to the devil. Jesus came down on the cross and paid the price to redeem the earth and to create now a pathway of love. I'm so grateful for him to do that. Listen. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. In other words, if you stop the rebellion against God, 
And some of you have a great deal invested in the rebellion. You don't know how you'd survive without that man you're fornicating with. Is that really the kind of woman you want to be? Is that the relationship with a man that you want? You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Sozo, saved. Rescued. Taken out of the darkness. Taken out of the pain and the anguish of the wickedness of this age. Oh yes, you can go to Maui or you can go to New York or you can go. You can have a little separation from the pain of your life. But what if the place burns down while you're there and you die and you face the judgment? Or if with your heart you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you confess and are saved, As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame. What is shame? When you do what you know is wrong and it leaves you feeling dirty. Where you know you are rebelling against the most high God. And you know the penalty for that rebellion is loss of love. I want full-time path of God, path of love. That's what I want, full-time. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You have a right to call on the name of the Lord. And whatever the darkness you're playing in, you can come into the light and be saved, washed, scrubbed, made righteous. It's there for you. But I want to take you to a chapter of scripture. We've called it the love chapter. I call it the path of love. I'm going to just read it for you. And then I'm going to come back and share some thoughts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, have not love, nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Some of you look at Christian gospel as bondage. Locked into a lifestyle you don't want. You're very smart. You see Christians who are super educated. You say to yourself, wow. No, this first paragraph of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians lays it out and says, hey, you can be as smart as you want to be. But if you don't have love, you are nothing. 
Why would he say such a thing? Because with God, love is what matters. Did you hear me? What matters to you? Does love matter to you? Does love matter to you? Or do intellectual pursuits hold first place in your heart? I love beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always preserves. Love never fails. Now, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. Where we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. What Elkanah did. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Well, let's go back. Love is patient. Now, you're going to see very quickly that the description of love is the description of the Christian life in Jesus Christ. It is not the description of the carefree, evil life of the lost. Love is patient. It waits. It doesn't jam you. It doesn't push you. It doesn't condemn you because you're not doing it quickly enough. Love is kind. Love is kind. Caring about you. Not caring about me. Not making me first, but making you first. Does that sound attractive to you? That's the way of love. That's the way of Jesus. It does not envy. So you don't have to be watching your back. Someone's not going to come along and stab you in the back. That's been a very painful part of my life through many years. People who are envious of my success or people who are envious of something that I have or a position I hold, they come along and stab you in the back. On the path of love, there is no no envy, no judgment. It doesn't boast about what it has and what it can do. It doesn't build itself up as being more important than you. It's not interested in putting you down. Does that sound attractive to you? Now, I'm guaranteeing you that these elements perhaps might be faintly visible among some wicked, but these are the very pathways of Jesus Christ. Not proud, not arrogant, not there to put you down. Not rude, 
It is totally rude to show pride in your face and in your actions because it leads directly to rudeness. Not self-seeking. Not out there trying to build itself up and become somebody. This is the pathway of love that Jesus Christ offers you today. Not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is the pathway that Jesus Christ offers to each of us. Not the pathway of darkness. Pathway of light. It's the pathway where we can see that we're safe, that we're not endangered, that somebody's not trying to put us down, somebody's not trying to rule over us, somebody's not saying, I'm the man and you've got to obey me. I'm the head of this house. You do what I say or else. What garbage. That's demonic. That's not Jesus. Jesus is humble of spirit. He's gentle of spirit. He loves you. Are you spitting in his face? Are you going to your your loud parties and then jumping into sex afterward? What is your lifestyle? Now you'll notice I'm not I'm not teaching theological tenets. This is the description of what actually goes on in real life in the life of a real Christian. You say to me, "I'm a Christian." Okay, show me. Don't open your mouth and try to teach me your theology. Show me your love. Show me your kindness. Show me your mercy. That's where the rubber hits the road. You know how I know that my wife loves me? By what she does. Now that raises another issue that we need to talk about for just a minute. That is that there is an obligation that goes with love. If I say, I love you, then I need to be walking in the way of the path of love. I'm not going to be rude to you. I'm not going to envy you. I'm not going to be self-seeking. I'm going to be giving you first place. Woo! I'm not going to be easily angered and cursing and yelling and screaming. There's no love where that's happening. If you're yelling and screaming at your child, you do not love that child. If you say, my mom and dad owe me, my life was stunted by the way they raised me, and so I've not gotten everything I wanted. They didn't give me the education I needed to achieve in this world. That's not love. That's tyranny. It's self-seeking. 
Love keeps no record of wrongs. You don't think your parents raised you the way you thought you ought to be raised? You need to repent. They did the best they could. Now, maybe it wasn't the best that you could do. You have a child you're raising? How are you treating that child? That child will remember how you treated them. In my family, I had two older brothers. And they didn't like to leave anybody alone in the bathroom. They loved to torment me as a little boy. So, I was sitting on the toilet one day. The door is just right there in front of me. It was a small little house. And I was sitting there, and I was trying to protect myself by putting my feet up so that if somebody came barging through that door, it was going to bounce back. They weren't going to be able to torture me. Without my knowing, my mom had come home. And she wanted to go to the bathroom. So she came flying against that door. It hit my feet. And it bounced back and hit her in the head. She was really enraged. And promptly began to beat me with her bare hands on my head. Striking me over and over. I'm sitting there crying as a little boy. Wow, did that anger my heart. And for years, I held a grudge against my mother and stayed away from her. Kept my distance. I didn't feel safe. What she did was absolutely wrong. Then the day came, and the Lord said to me, Forgive her. Forgive her. I should have just forgiven her. But as a little boy, I was scared. I was hurt. I was beat up by my own mother. Lord said, forgive her. Take the path of love. And I did just that. To the day she died, I treated her with such kindness and respect and love and later learned her own immaturity. And I began to understand why she'd done what she did. It was just a big kid bigger than me. But my mother did such lovely things for me. I didn't hold that grudge against her. Are you holding a grudge against your mother or father? Are you holding a grudge against a brother or sister or friend? Teacher? Life is not fair. We are treated horribly sometimes. Now the question is, are we going to allow the way we were treated to dictate how we're going to behave? Or are we going to choose the pathway of forgiveness, the pathway of being patient and kind, not proud, not rude? Your wife knows you the best, or your husband, or your brother, or your sister. How do they see you? Are you the hard-edged, macho man or woman? Or have you softened your heart? Have you turned to the Most High God? Have you forgiven those who have harmed you in your life? Or do you still hold that grudge?
know, a grudge doesn't hurt anybody but you. Doesn't hurt the person you're mad at. They've gone on with their life. Your grudge hurt you. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. The chief of childish ways is holding a grudge. Getting even. Revenge. Part of what I've had to do in my life is make restitution for things that I have done wrong. I have been unfair to some people. And the Lord said, give them restitution. Okay. Yes, sir. I'm happy to do that. Let me walk in the pathway of love. Let me walk without a weight on my shoulders, without a guilty conscience, knowing that I've done everything I could do to make right things that I have said and done that were totally of the flesh, the way of darkness. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Isn't that, after all, what we really want? To be really known for who we are. to be respected, to be loved, to be treated the way the pathway of love indicates we can be treated? Isn't that what your heart longs for? Now, if I say, I love you, Jesus, it means I'm going to walk in this pathway of love. I'm not going to be arrogant or rude or self-seeking or easily angered. I'm not going to keep track of wrongs. I'm not going to delight in evil. I'm not going to walk in fornication and drugs and alcohol. I'm not going to walk in dishonesty and bitterness of heart. I'm going to walk in the joy and in the love of Jesus. You have to make up your mind. We each get to make our choices from the time we are children in our home. We got to make choices about how we felt, what we thought. Were you right? Well, I was wrong often. But today, my choice is to walk in the pathway of love. I don't always do it, but that's my goal. Because I know that in Christ, there is life. There is joy. And I'm going to walk in the way that brings that same joy to my Lord. I want him to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want him to look at me and say, you've been right on. Come, enter in. That would bring me great joy in my heart. And know that that's what's happening and will happen. Well, we're just about out of time for this broadcast of 
Pilgrim's Progress. I hope it's been helpful to you. You can write to me. The new month, we're almost at the 15th, and we're a long way from being able to cover everything yet. Write to me, please. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. National Prayer Chapel, one word, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can see many videos that will be helpful to you on this journey. We put them there for you. Brother Ed is such a wonderful brother in Christ and lives on this pathway of love. Go and and find some help. You're welcome to come to the National Prayer Chapel. You've got a week to think about it. We'd love to see you. Now let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I come praying for every person listening to this broadcast. You know their struggle with with sex. You know their struggle with alcohol. You know their struggle with drugs. You know their struggle with bitterness and anger, with mental balance. Lord, I bring every one of these listeners before you and ask for total healing and restoration in their mind, body, and soul. And Lord, then you know those who are suffering in pain and anguish in their mind or in their body. I ask now for healing in their body. I ask for the restoration of the gifts of the Spirit for the healing of our bodies. I praise you and I worship you. And I ask you to have your way with each person who is listening. May today be a day of brightness in the Spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I'll be here tomorrow, if God is willing. Bye for now. With great joy Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling And to present you blameless for the presence of His glory.